and just and we'll talk later about what how much that uh boudoir photo session would run me sure okay well it depends on i charge by inch of clothing. okay okay well let me get that checkbook out then oh inch of so, clothing <clears throat> oh oh okay i stopped listening after what no. i wanted to hear okay yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't charge by inches of, of body <laughs> yeah. appendages, inch That's, of clothing. So no clothes. That would be such no a good money. way to run a, a like a, a boudoir photography studio is like charging by the pound. <laughs> um, no, we're a body positive, a body positive uh, newsletter podcast here. I would never do such a thing, especially oh. since I just came back from vacation the heaviest I've ever been in my life. I've been talking with our boys, the armed about making me a meal plan. And they sent me what is basically six pages of, of, of a plan that amounts to like eat a lot of chicken. Like that's like, it's just pages and pages and pages. And when Mm -hmm. you distill it all down, it's just like, yeah, eat chicken every three hours. So I'm excited about that. Chicken and blueberries, chicken and, and potatoes and, whatever else who doing. um who who are you talking with I tony assume. tony sends me okay. borderline what um like nudes yeah. she's like look how look how much weight i lost and it's like <laughs> yeah that's kind of just a nude that you're sending me actually <laughs> but what yeah a dick. I'm i um it. it's i was just back home <clears throat> in detroit where i'm from originally uh suburbs and I went to a Detroit football club match with one of the auxiliary members, and we were. I love having... that you're keeping it unnamed, <clears throat> just keeping in line with their. Whole I don't know thing. what the fucking rules. Look, man, here's the deal with that band. <laughs> I have known all of them for so long um, back that I don't even know. I I don't know what to talk like if if we can talk freely right, or not. Right, right, because I feel like I don't want to ruin the cult. But I also support the cult. Well, they're uh, coming clean now. But uh, okay, well, we'll I, just leave this un unnamed member of the armed. You were the unnamed member mm. of the armed. He is known as the Gilly Suit Man, ah, uh, uh-huh. Gilly Suit Derek. And it it was funny because we were it was like pouring ass rain at this soccer match in Detroit, and he brought his daughter, and uh, <laughs> it's like we went and got nachos. We're just like eating nachos in the rain, which I was like, what is better for a meal to represent Detroit City, (laughs) Detroit City Football Club than eating nachos in the rain? It's like such a testament to. Yeah, uh, I feel like our childhoods growing up there and then, you know, each each chip is like a member of the arm. (laughs) Do you like nachos and getting caught in the rain? That's what the song should have been much more appealing than pina coladas to me. I should do an introduction. Hang on one second, because I love having (laughs) published authors on my show. And today's guest is a photographer turned author. He's about to publish a, a huge book about my favorite venue to ever exist, which has been such an important uh, place in my life. St. Vitus in Brooklyn. Uh, and I was very honored to be asked to write an uh, essay forward. What did you end up doing with it? Uh, is an essay. Okay, an essay for it. Uh, along Only with the... because you are not Walter Schreifels, So I got bumped oh, by, by Schreifels? 
Are you I fucking mean, kidding me? Hey, man, I don't own the bar. <laughs> and um, I am not an owner who's always wanted to be in quicksand, so I get no say in that. Oh, oh, okay. And and Walter has written how many best-selling books? Uh-huh. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Walter's freaking. Um, <laughs> Did but, you ever uh, interview him for Sellout? No, I didn't. Uh, Rival Schools slash Quicksand was probably one of those like on the on the maybe on pile the for me. Right, right. I should I should talk to him. I'll bet he's got some interesting major label pursuits stories. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I just I because they were were they on a major? I don't know. Ever? I don't know what what was was you talking about Quicksand or Rival School? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I, I'm sure they probably know, had the opportunity. You know, if like, like was... Rocket from the Crypt was going, I'm sure Quicksand. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just say, should be. <laughs> let me say your curious. name and, and the name of the book. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Nathaniel <laughs> Shannon, the 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 guest, Saint Vitus Bar. The first ten years is the book. Okay, great. Got that out of the way. Perfect. Right. Nobody, ten minutes nobody in. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants to hear about fucking armed and Walter. Yes. Nobody cares about. Okay, so question number one about the armed. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> Well, I'm I, not I, in the band. Me neither. Wink, wink. Me neither. Right, right, buddy. Wink, wink. Sure. Yeah, we, yeah. Wink, wink. I don't uh, think we're 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 too we're not ripped enough to be in the band. I, dude, they Even, helped me put on so much weight, and now I'm trying to like cut down on it, as I mentioned. But also, too, the last time I saw them, Randall was just like, like I thought he was joking, but then there was no like follow up. Haha! After it, he was just like, uh, <laughs> he's like, hey man, you uh. You play the oboe? And I was like, no, I don't. He's like, oh, okay. Got to figure out a way to get you up on stage there. And I was like, okay, I, I can learn the oboe. Um, But we'll talk about the arm. We'll talk about the book, which I'm so excited about. But um, but first, I want to talk about you. Like how you're like uh, one of the only like band photographers that I like. I feel like when I look at band photography <laughs> online... It's so homogenous. There's like, it's at some, you know, there's just like big, big light spotlight and somebody looking like epic in a spotlight uh, at a, at some big sized venue. And yours are very gritty, which I like. They're just up in your face. And that's much more appealing to me than some like stadium rock photography. Um, but how long have you? You are, yeah. you are opening the door for me just to talk shit about... Hey, everybody and hey nobody's listening go for it no i'm you might get in trouble um but no but like i i I mean that like i follow a lot i have like a a a small interest in photography i follow a lot of of photographers and and there's just so many doing the same things with the same angles the same white room filters the same gear and it's very boring to me i feel like when somebody does something against that it very much stands out speaking of the armed like your photos of them. I thought I had done a pretty good job when I have seen them of just getting something with a little point and shoot. And then I look at what you've done and I'm like, Oh my God, never, never mind. That photo of Randall walking on the crowd is fucking unreal. Um, you're great. Thanks, and, and when did you, when did you start? How did you start? How long have you been photographing bands for? Well, before I talk about myself for the next hour, um, I appreciate your comment. Thanks. It means a lot to me. I, I'm getting old and jaded, and I find that the world that I love and why 
I started doing what I started doing from the beginning has become saturated full of a lot of bullshit. And I can say the same thing about you in your writing career is I've always, even before we knew each other, I always knew who you were as a writer uh, before I knew you as a person, which I think is a testament to your skill and the fact that people just straight up don't know how to fucking write at all. <laughs> sure. And it's exhausting to read broken vegan um like any just blogs and websites and in in content that like i don't know what you're trying to convey one mm -hmm. is trying to convey to me not you but one is trying to convey to me that it's just all so trite and menial and like it's awful you know so what you can do with words i can do with images oh, i can i can also write a little bit and you can also shoot a little bit and i think those are <laughs> yes complimented complementary skills we're you a know. good yin yang you and i yeah man but, but like what? you know like not, not to kiss your ass of of like even what you were able to do with cello and then the photo zine i think you doing the photo zine as an uh an accompany to the book is like a really fascinating concept because why not photograph the people you're talking to, even if you weren't planning on doing anything. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, William Saunders and I were working on the Dead Guy documentary and it was pandemic. And I was frustrated because I was not able to go shoot bands. I was not able to go shoot portraits of people. And I started doing like digital, you know, because we were doing all these Zoom interviews. I started like building environments around my laptop screen and kind of trying to like pursue doing environmental uh portraiture while we were doing those interviews because that's what i would be doing in person if we sat down with you or whoever else and we were interviewing i'd take a headshot or like mm -hmm. a portrait of you of some sort um so i think the fact that you were doing that while you were interviewing people for the book is like is, is pretty incredible um, yeah well i think one of it, the first one of the first bunch of interviews that i did were jawbreaker who are like i'm just such a huge fan of and i'm like well yeah, sure am i supposed to not ask them if I can take their portrait, you know, and I took one of Blake that I just really love, you know? Um, and then, yeah. And then I just never stopped, but thank you. That that's really nice. But you said something that I wanted to ask you about, which is like, yeah, it is. I, I don't know about writing because I do feel like writing is like the paying gigs are, are getting more limited and people just don't like words on the internet. They like video and music yeah, and sure. pictures and everything. But, you know, like you said, pick photography, specifically music is getting very saturated. So how do you compete with that or stand out? Or do you even care? Like, you know, how do you, I, there's like games that the algorithm makes you play, which are fucking humiliating. You can't just post a photo. It has to have music over it. It's actually a video with a static photo, you know, like all these like little fucking games that Mark Zuckerberg makes us play. Um, how do you, how do you combat so many people just trying to do it? with their cameras, let alone like people just doing it with their iPhones and stuff. To say I don't care is a cop out. Of course mm -hmm. I care. Mm -hmm. Everybody cares about what they do, even if they claim that they don't, you know, punk rock was built on fuck you. I don't care. Uh -huh. But like, that's only because you care so much that you reject everybody else caring. And yeah. it's this full circle bullshit. Right. Um, I don't know how to answer your question simply because there are days where I do not care and I am okay with being the age that I am reflecting back on the body of work I've been able to produce over the last almost 25 years 
and my personal accomplishments of like meeting a lot of really cool people and the fact that I went from like most like all of us kind of tertiary working the tertiary uh edges of music industry or whatever we love like I went from my bedroom to talking to Dan Ozzy in 2023 on a podcast about you're still like, in your bedroom I just want are we? this is my adult this is my adult bedroom it's uh-huh. called an attic it's, it's called an attic mm-hmm. uh and I, I don't sleep up here I just <laughs> hang out um uh you know but like to go from being a a, a preteen teen loving music and having the opportunity that I did growing up in Metro Detroit to listen to a radio station called 89X, which was based in Canada. This is going to be a long-winded answer, but I'll get to your point. Um, as a as a preteen, there's a channel in, in Canada called 89X, and it was fucking fantastic because it was in Canada. So as long as they played a certain percentage of Canadian music, they could play whatever they wanted, which basically made it a, uh, uh, a college radio station with like... Um, the 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 reach of like a major radio station so i grew up listening to slow dive and catherine wheel and mystery machine and a boatload of canadian bands that most people have probably never heard of because they didn't break in the u.s to you know uh, i don't i don't want to make it sound cool uh orange nine millimeter like when like pretend i'm human came out like those singles were on the radio because it was Canada and they could play whatever the fuck they wanted. Um, <clears throat> I feel like there's a cooler ex- example than Orange <laughs> Millimeter. But what was fantastic about that station was on Sunday nights, they had a, a radio sta- uh, a show called The Homeboy Show. And they played local bands, which introduced me to the Suicide Machines, who later got signed to Hollywood Records and then went on tour with like No Doubt and Weezer and shit. But it's like they were the hometown heroes to a certain degree you know before you do the deep dives into getting into like the laughing hyenas and mule and like everything in great that in a post stooges world detroit kind of has to offer um but that radio station made a massive impact on me because not only did i was i able to like be in a audio bath of the smashing pumpkins but also local music that kind of made the separation between my bedroom and like what was on MTV, like less uh, of, of a jump where it was like, well, this band's from Livonia, Michigan, or this band's from here. Um, so that had a huge impact on me. And I eventually picked up a camera, started going to Detroit more and more um, and kind of weaseled my way into the, the music community and now the armed are going to be the biggest goddamn band in the world <laughs> yes um, and you're on the ground floor anyways, but how did you how but did like you, but how did you pick up a camera uh i guess i'll answer that and then i'll answer your sure. actual question that i didn't answer <laughs> was um i was in high school and i had a friend bridget o'brien who she and i started skipping school a lot because we were fucking bored and she took wanted to take a photo class at the local community college and at our high school at the time um you could take you could like skip the last class of the day and do like dual enrollment in college which frankly my senior year if i could have just gone to college at that point i would have because i was bored and we took this photo class together 
and just like it instantly gratified and satiated this i feel like bug i had for some sort of visual representation that i could not champion with like a paintbrush or with Mm -hmm. a pencil or even words that i was like trying to communicate and the first time i ever saw the fiber paper come to life in the development tray in the dark room i just i've never i've never felt such a ethereal transformative like moment where it was like that aha moment of like i don't think there's anything that's ever going to interest me as much Mm. as this does um and i kind of have been chasing that dragon so to speak for for the rest of my life but um uh, uh, a friend of my parents happened to be a retired photographer so he gave me uh an uh minolta uh srt 101 35 millimeter um and that just kind of started me on the path uh my ironically growing up my neighbors my my neighbor the oldest brother was in a ska band in detroit who um was active in the late 90s and that kind of (laughs) was my gateway into going to see music and as much as everybody wants to deny how big fucking ska was um because everybody got into metal and like cool shit uh ska was everywhere from the mainstream to the underground and uh let's not forget that everybody's favorite alkaline trio drummer Derek grant had uh was a part of beat hotel in detroit and like they were putting out sky records um so i kind of got active in that world uh suicide machines etc etc um and kind of navigated into that and it's the first couple times i like took pictures of shows it was the same thing of like i am now i can like hear the images the images i'm creating i can like hear them and they're like I'm 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 documenting the shit that I'm hearing, which was like now in the ripe old age of 41, like seems I don't want to say corny, but like in a world that you know, as you brought up when I kind of didn't fully answer your question of like a world that's like satiated with algorithms and and just bombardment of visual content and like how do you how do you manage navigating that? Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't exist. Obviously, the technology, but like the knowledge of having to participate in that to have a career was so not a thought to me as much as this is my one-on-one connection with the person playing guitar or singing or playing drums. Um, so that it, yeah. it almost became it almost became like this is going to sound weird, but it almost became like, like pornography of like, I couldn't get enough. And like, mm-hmm. I felt addicted to it because, what, you know, what, I wanted to see, as we said, when we started, I wanted to see every inch charged <laughs> by that inch. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so like figuring out how to navigate that now, all these years later, it's like, I really, I don't have an answer for you because there's days where I don't, I, I simply don't care, but, there's other days where it would be really fantastic just to have some sort of validation of 
what I care about could be important to other people. And I think it is important to other people, but when you have to fight the world to just simply exist in front of other people who are like-minded and could give you respect the same way I would give them respect for me appreciating whatever they do is exhausting, you know? So what did you do? Uh, you know, you were saying that you were addicted to photographing early on and a lot of people now I think have gotten so used to the dopamine feedback mm -hmm. loop of like, I took the picture, I put it out, people like it. That means I'm good. So I keep doing it. But pre-internet, what were you doing with your photos? Were you giving them to bands? Were you doing fanzines? Like how, were you putting them out at all or just sitting on them? I, I wish I had had somebody put zines in my lap mm. because I think I would have absolutely pursued that route. Um, and it's funny because pre-internet, there was still a dopamine rush of, well, I, I wasn't in direct competition with anybody showing work. It was still like, I have to go shoot this show because if I don't, somebody else is going to. Mm. and they're going to get the pictures that I didn't. And I still feel that way, even yeah. though I'm in direct competition with like the entire world. Um, but that <clears throat> itch or nag still existed in my head, even before websites that were, I guess, curatorial. Um, I'm trying to think of early ones. I guess even like a like a live journal, you know, or uh, Friendster or like any of that bullshit um, became a curatorial narrative that even before that, that curatorial narrative of wanting and I guess like the fear of missing out was still there mm -hmm. simply because it was the driving force and most important thing to me was to like just make the best images i could and there was a couple other people that shot bands in detroit around the same time so like there was a bit of a competition but like i didn't see their work and they didn't see mine it was right, just simply, right i saw I, I saw them out and because they were out that means that i had to compete against them and i'm sure like you're imagining a... like oh this guy's taking the greatest photo mm -hmm. ever meanwhile 100%. probably yeah it might have been 100 yeah. yeah um so, so it's kind of like even having this conversation with you now is like kind of like a wild concept to me of that kind of just always existed. And I don't know if it's like just a competitive edge that was innate. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's technology progressing, um, but it was a different time, you know, it was all, all, all film and like that required actual skills. Yeah. But I, th I think yeah. that like, I think that the good photographers are not just photographers, like documentarians of a scene do have that like constant FOMO that if they're not there, mm -hmm. it's not going to get documented properly. And I sure. really respect people who just have made it their lives to just like hang out in the scene where they grew up. And you know who I, I really learned a, a bunch about when I was researching sellout, you know, Murray Bowles. He was like um, this guy. He was like a little bit older than the kids who went to Gilman, but he just went to every Gilman show and just shot okay. there. And so, of course, he has photos of Op Ivy, 
Green Day, Rancid, Crimshine, you know, like he's got all these amazing photos and he, you could just tell he was just a guy who just like had a compulsion to go to the show because it had to be documented, you know, but then, but then later on, obviously his photos became very, um, valuable in the sense that like, yeah, somebody mm-hmm. did have to document op IV shows. They didn't play that many, you know, do you, sure. are there any things in your archives that you regard as special of like, Oh, I'm glad somebody got this or, or anything that's just like, you were the only one taking pictures or, or something like that. Um, This could hilariously just, I guess, segue into the Vitus book, but there's a boatload of things that happened in like that little black four walled room yeah um, like the the descendant show that you were a part of helping make happen and and i was fortunate to document um obituary playing there um real quick just to make a real quick segue and please pull me back into that question i was at gilman in end of april with stacia on their world domination reunion tour mm-hmm. of 2023 um which I have so many beautiful thoughts and feelings about of like what's happening around that band and the communities that are, that exist, that are responding to, you know, this band from 25 years ago that played literally in front of nobody. And I'd never been to Gilman before and not to keep kissing your ass, but it's like, I read your book, obviously. And talking about like the green day jawbreaker stuff and like everything around Gilman and knowing the history of Gilman and like studying people who photographed at Gilman and knowing the imagery of that venue walking into the venue was just like nothing like that exists anymore. There's yeah. Gilman. That's fucking it, dude. Everywhere else is gone. There's Gilman and St. Vitus after 13 years, which yeah. is like only 13 years versus 40 years or whatever. But like <clears throat> the host, um whichever and by host i mean whichever teenager was volunteering that day took it took me up to um like kind of the green room balcony area because i was going to set up a, a video camera to get like a wide shot and fast forward or two later station comes on and i'm up there and i'm like oh my god this is this is the vantage point yeah of of the jawbreaker mm-hmm, photo mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the op ivy photo of the neurosis photos every wide room shot i've ever seen of this iconic place i'm standing in the exact spot where all those photos were made and i i i got kind of like chills from that because like again at 41 not that old but old enough like how many times do you have those moments of being in the moment yeah recognizing like i'm in the place part of history yeah yeah and i and like i'm adding to that by just shooting the span point uh so you know the fact you brought up gilman so i just wanted to make a comment on that which was which was very 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 cool Um, i'm I'm glad that you're doing that now with this book for vitus because like i do think that there is a certain element developing of of what you're talking about this like important rock history of mm-hmm. uh you know and and growing up and, and being in brooklyn at that time when it started i'm not saying i was taking it for granted but it was something that like i didn't actively think of i remember when uh, seeing touche amore there and uh i remember jeremy was on stage in between songs he said something like it's it's a really an honor to play here finally you know like you look online and you see a lot of photos with that skull in the background. And it's so cool to finally be in front of it. And I hadn't thought of that 
like how it would look like if you were in another state in another country like yeah it's a room where like really cool things happen and you know because there's a fucking skull that logo right there and so like i'm i'm glad that now we're like enough time is passing and somebody's looking back on it and and it, and it's you um and unless you had anything else to add about what we were just talking about i was going to ask how oh, how it's how it started sure. i yeah i have a couple comments um to piggyback on what you just said of like there was there's another venue that i just thought of is the blind pig in ann arbor michigan which i also spent years and years shooting at but that venue's been around since the 80s um there's a very famous nirvana bootleg from there right pre before nevermind came out and i remember the first time i ever played on that stage and i was just like this venue that nirvana played Mm -hmm. um which was incredible or like Soundgarden played there. I remember trying to get in to go see hum there in like 1996. Uh, I don't know if downward is heavenward had come out yet, but I was like, it's like 15, 16 trying to get into that show. And it was like 21 and up, Um, you know, and I was like so desperately trying to get in. So then to end up playing there was like very cool. I've played at Vitus. I've not played at Gilman Street, unfortunately. But like even standing on those stages is fucking cool, let alone like documenting other bands standing on those stages. Uh, so other images that I think I've, I've, I've created over the years um, that stand out to me was my friend Courtney used to work for Shinerbach and she got me a gig shooting fun, fun, fun in Austin several years in a row. And when Jehu played um, RIP Rick um, several years ago, I had gotten to know John Reese a little bit over the years of, of photographing the 40 bands he's been in. Mm-hmm. And um, Jehu was playing and I was like, they're going to walk down the back backstage stairs. And like, I have to just be there for mm-hmm. when they're done. Because I want to get a group shot of Jehu together. One of my favorite bands ever. They, I can't tell you how fucking flawlessly tight they were. They get off stage. Uh, I can tell you the story now that Rick's dead, which I don't mean to be inappropriate. But like, they get off stage. I went up to John. He's like, oh, hey, man, this camera guy from New York. And I was like, can we do like a group photo together? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. And I remember John mentioning to rick what substances he was under the influence of and rick just being like i'm so fucking drunk right now and me just standing there being like you guys were the most flawlessly tight band (laughs) i have ever seen and you guys are so fucking wasted which is so rad that just walked out and did it took some group shots and it was checking just another i guess band off my list of people that i've had very positive interactions with yet alone I got to document and kind of steal their souls and put them in my book of souls. People (laughs) I've shot because like, again, going back to being a teenager in my bedroom, um, I just want to document the things that I love and like music happened to be one of those things, you know, so a band like drive like Jay who playing, which I never thought I would see and getting to like take a picture of all four of them together and have the respect of them allowing me to do that. Yeah. And especially and too after after cool, man. after they just played because I feel like that's a big ask because sometimes somebody comes up stage yeah, they're sure. sweating and you're like can I take your picture and they're like no <laughs> like I've, are you kidding 
It worked have... out for me one time. I, I Riot Fest uh, against me was playing, and and they came off, and Adam, the drummer now in Alkaline Trio, was so sweaty. Sure. And I was like, Adam, real quick. And I just held my camera up, and he was like, oh, man, really, like right now? And I took it. And it ended up being like one of my favorite pictures. And yeah, I gave man. it to him and, and some kid painted it or something like that. It's a really good picture. That's, so, um, that's but awesome. You never fucking know. Um, it's something I those are. Ask. Yeah, those are those decisive moments, though. The, yeah. Like, you got to take advantage of, um, you know, and I, I've had a handful of those over the years where I just I happened to be there. Yeah. and Nobody else did because of my own volition and in inserting myself or just happening to be there again descendants man like i just happened to be there i went to the show everything went down the way that it did they ended up playing at vitus yeah um, by the way just for the, for the listeners this is what i i wrote in the essay for the book about yeah my recollection anyway of how that show sure. came about uh which was a very wild night and in my opinion really helped put vitus on the map as far as like it being a really special place, you know, having sure. descendants play this two twenty five cap room, um, and then and so you were there. How did how did you find yourself in there? I was with um, Tucker Rule, yep, and his now wife Lexi, and um, Justin Skirty, who the fun the thing i love about that story is there's so everybody's got a different version yeah that yeah. all results in and then the descendants play <laughs> right everybody um, has a different way to get there but the result um, is the descendants fucking played vitas yeah i don't know man we were hammered and we just ended <laughs> up there um already told me when i interviewed him for the book that tucker and i helped bill load his drums into the venue which i don't remember at all because <laughs> then tucker verified that that happened and other people verified that that happened that we helped the band load in because we were we got there early like before everybody else did and they played and it was probably one of the most incredible things i've ever seen because they played a 250 cap illegally 250 <laughs> 225 room. for legal purposes if the fire department uh, is listening uh and that was like absolutely incredible and like God, i feel I, I don't know man like there's so many stories over like the last 20 almost 25 years of, of shooting bands of like i just happened to be there yeah. or i knew something was going to happen and i just kind of in, inserted myself in that and i know we don't have like hours and hours and hours of me rambling nor does anybody like really want to care that much um but I've been fortunate to just kind of be there. And part of that, me being fortunate, was I just cared enough to just be around. Because mm -hmm. you, you never were, know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, you were saying earlier, you know, when you were in the that nest, the, the loft in, in uh, Gilman, looking down mm -hmm. and seeing like, oh, this is the spot. This is the vantage pot from all the photos I've seen. You, you know, are very accustomed to shooting at Vitus. Do you have like a specific angle or spot you like to stand in and work from? Like, is there is there a definitive uh, Vitus shot that you like to get? Um, the smartest thing that Bar ever did was take Lawrence's logo and have Carolyn Holland paint it on the back wall. Mm -hmm. Not only for branding purposes 
for bands, for fans, for the venue. But it also created this target to try and capture more specifically singers than anybody else. But the singer with the halo of the logo wrapped around their head, mm, which I've been mm-hmm. fortunate to like grab. Um, I have a very iconic shot. Just kidding. Uh, I have a, I have a great shot of Wino from the band St. Vitus playing St. Vitus playing the song St. Vitus as the meme <laughs> inception meme says. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, uh, but like his head's wrapped, like his encapsulated by the logo. Um, there's one of Milo from the Descendants show. You know, so that became kind of like a focal point of, and there's certain there's two spots up front that I like to shoot at, um, which I'm not going to reveal because I don't <laughs> yeah. want anybody else. Yeah, there's to so steal much. That shit. There's so much space in there that it must remain a secret <laughs> for sure. Um, I, you know, I I have the advantage of being six two, um, so I'm kind of tall, big dude. I have a certain arm span that makes my work look slightly different from other people whether i'm shooting with like some phil flash or not specifically because of my body size Mm -hmm. that if i was smaller or bigger i think that would have a little bit of an effect on what that work specifically looks like um so the book 10 years first 10 years of of vitus uh I have I can name a lot of like really momental monumental shows that I've been to there, but I'm sure somebody else's list might completely differ. There's been hundreds of shows that have happened, a lot of really important ones, a lot of like really big artists have passed through the doors. How do you curate it? Like, where did you start? Did you just make a huge list and start making some Sophie's choices or like, how do you decide what goes in there? That's a really fantastic question because literally it's been thousands of bands i had this very grandiose idea initially of like the first the like the the intro page and like the back page you know that's like glued to the hardcover of like in small type every band that's ever played there yeah yeah and i was like that's insane and not realistic because somebody's gonna get forgotten um so well i have spent a lot of time shooting metal i grew up listening to ska uh i love 90s rap i I love modern rap like i love my music tastes are so all over the place and i think part of the success of the bar outside of catering to country which could make money but like fuck country um unless this outlaw which doesn't exist uh country music has just turned into pop music with guitars because guitars aren't on the radio anymore I just saw a commercial um, for this the country music awards and there was some bigger gentleman playing named like uh Little Jelly or something like that. <laughs> it was like it was like uh Toby Oh Jelly Toby Jelly Bryant Roll. and then Jelly Roll. Yeah, yeah. But like three regular names. Toby Bryant, Carrie Urshaward, and then Jelly Roll. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Who's this fucking guy? Um I only know who that dude is because he took three six mafia on tour opening for him which i thought was hilarious. oh that's cool okay and then respect that. my apologies so, to mr roll i apologize i didn't know he was tight with three six mafia. I, I don't know shit about j-roll but i do know you know <laughs> body um, parts what were we talking about late, so you have an eclectic music taste tip, so i'm guessing like, you mean you like a lot best, of the my eclectic music taste also is a reflection of the eclectic music tastes of the owning and booking of that place that while St. Vitus is 
called the metal bar. It's known as a metal bar. I think part of the reason that it's been so successful is that it caters to everyone. Yeah. Pretty much everyone. <laughs> should say everyone. Pretty much everyone. Um, and there's a mutual respect between the underplays to the no-name Dungeon Synth bands to the reunion shows to you name it. It's happened in there. And 75% of every important band within the scheme of punk rock, hardcore, metal, emo, the hundreds of thousands of subgenres of all of those have played there for the most part in the last 13 years. And I think that that's led to a lot of the success. It's also led to like me taking a step back and being like, how do I curate what goes into this? And I'm sure that nobody's going to be happy with how I curated it simply because certain people don't like certain things or it's not cool enough or this or that. But I really wanted to highlight kind of like what were the greatest hits collectively that mm-hmm. we all felt needed to be represented, you know? So like, ain't no disrespect for anybody that like didn't get included, but the most important thing about being a human is being well-rounded and not leaning in any sort of direction. Because if you lean in any sort of direction too far, you're going to fucking fall over. Mm-hmm. And I love metal, but I also love all of these other things. So I put together a list of, a thousand bands, mm-hmm. which got whittled down to 500 bands. This is also involving owners and booking in, in the who's who of like behind scenes there. And we kind of all collectively agreed on what would be roughly like a hundred to 200 shows. Mm-hmm. And I'd say shows specifically versus bands because a band is not a show. A show is Bill several bands right um so it's important to me to like really diversify and kind of highlight i will also say that it also was slightly dependent on what i could get my hands on. Mm-hmm, i didn't mm-hmm. shoot every show there but putting out an open call for all documentarians and artists who either created show posters flyers had shot shows done interviews whatever i was dependent on the world and the community to also provide me mm-hmm. with what I could get. So some stuff just didn't make the book because sure. I simply just didn't get archival stuff. There's bands that are like pretty big that I was shocked that nobody shot mm. that like I, I didn't, you know, Did, or I just couldn't find, you know, you don't have uh, to name name names, but were there, were there any photographers who were not receptive to it? Because I got to tell you, like I have so much yes. respect for doing this book because I did sell yes. out or and a couple of you know other books and it's like getting a photo the photo rights I would mm-hmm. literally rather write another 100 pages of the book than have to clear another photo oh, sure. like I fucking hate it I hate paperwork um so were there were there artists and and photographers who were not receptive to the yeah. idea mm-hmm. Yeah yeah I think I would say 96.5% of everybody I reached out to or contacted me were understanding that this is a very DIY project. Yeah. I did the entire thing by myself outside of having um, 
our mutual friend Kate uh, do the edit and copy editing. And then Eric Pomerley from the band Ascender and Aqualand Records helped me with as an editor for the design. <clears throat> but this is all me, man. And it took me two and a half years to put it together that like, not only does the bar not necessarily have a budget, uh, it's all pre-sale, but having worked in the industry, like I'm not trying to dick over anybody and sure. I get it. Everybody needs to get paid. Um, so, you know, we have uh, a variant for artists who are contributing as a thank you. But this is one of those things where um, we are coming together as a community to celebrate this venue and just kind of collectively put everything together. Yeah. I initially, before the, just, just as an anecdote here, like before we did the book um, or I had the idea for the book, like I was trying to, in meeting with a couple of galleries in the Greenpoint area of doing Vitus Presents and I wanted to do a curated gallery shows for photographers, poster artists, you name it. Uh, Cause CBs used to do that. Right. And like, why not just do what the most classic punk venue in America did and pandemic hit that didn't happen. So we had to move forward. Right. And that turned into a book. So I think a lot of people were understanding of the fact that like, there is no money, like yeah. we're going to break even. I worked for two and a half years, basically for free to make this thing happen because I believed in it because we are all a community. Mm -hmm. um, most people were very receptive of that respectfully. Some were not. And I don't fault them for not yeah. wanting to get paid what, what their time and value is worth. You know, but for me I have... though, it felt like, I mean, as someone who commands uh, a hefty fee for my talents, such as they are, you know, uh, when I got asked to write about Vitus, to me, it felt like the end of uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Like, yeah, Vitus needs my help. Sure, <laughs> anything for Vitus. I'm going to empty out the fucking uh, the tip jar, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so I was like, I was very, I was honored. I thought it was, to me, it was like an honor to to be in that book forever just to have, like, because I don't, I, it's pretty, sure. I don't really feel like I've played any kind of like role in the development of that bar i've just been around and so just just the fact that i was asked but, was very very humbling to me so i was like i, I, I hope I think, that other people felt the same way for the most part but like part of your development of that bar in the history is also you for the people that don't know listening at home like dan became a great advisor to me because he has published books and i have not and i don't know what the fuck i'm doing so <laughs> even to call to call you and like there was a couple times i called you where i was like i don't know what to do and you were great about kind of holding my hand through that that plays a part of the history of the bar you know what i yeah. mean whether you were there every day and like i know you know you you booked a handful of like or had a hand in helping book like a handful of like secret shows and underplays and you know the way i look at it is if you buy a ticket to a show you're part of the history if you Absolutely. work at the bar you're part of the history if you take a picture there like we're all kind of part of the history of this thing organically and i think it's very important to remember that um this place wouldn't exist if it wasn't for us and we wouldn't exist there if it wasn't for them yeah you know well, you so, know, i, I I wanted to ask about how how you published it because like you said like you had asked 
me a couple times and I am somebody who has published books with like major publishers, but I've also just gone the indie route and published things myself. And I honestly find that there are merits in both. Uh, I do want to mention uh, that, that the editor of sellout Kate Napolitano, who is just the world's greatest editor did help on, on, on this book and, and helped you. She's the best. She's the greatest. Uh, and she's the greatest self publish it. So you, you went the self-publishing route through like Patreon. And it's just so funny. Cause I'm, I love Kickstarter. That you did that. Oh, through Kickstarter. I'm sorry. Uh, I love that you did that because I watched this photo series on YouTube where they talked to different uh, kind of up and coming photographers. And they always ask like, what's your big, what's your goal as a photographer? And they always, always say, oh, it would be my dream to publish a photo book. And in a way, like, I get it, like, having a properly distributed photo book. But when I hear that, I'm like, oh, you didn't grow up with punk rock. Because if you did, you would just fucking do it. You would just make a book. You know, you wouldn't, like, wait for anybody to tell you to do it. Um, So I really like that you you did it this way. Was it by choice or decision? Like, you know, like, why go that way? Were people uninterested if you tried to sell it? How much are you going to edit this? <laughs> well, give me the give me the short version of it. Like, uh, did you try shopping it around? I should give you the. They live version. Um, I got to be honest with you. I don't know that I want to answer this question. OK, wow. OK, it, that's interesting. Um, but OK. <laughs> All right. Well, no, 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 no. And like off the record. It's... Oh no! Don't give me off the record because I'm not going to edit this. All right. All right. <laughs> well, okay. well, instead, oh keep Jesus your, Christ! Keep your well, record already. already <laughs> keep your record intact. No, um, and, and we... tell me, tell me how how difficult it has been taking on all of the responsibility then on your own because I do think that there, like I said, there are merits to both, and the merits of self publishing is that it's a lot more work. But it's all reward, like all the reward sure. comes back to you in some form, right? So you own it all, and 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 you know, uh, but like, what is the work that goes into doing that? Like, what what do you wish that you had help with in a in a more structural way? Um, I think that the way that we have published this through Kickstarter uh, was a good first step in learning how to publish a book. I don't have that experience. None of the owners of the bar have that experience. And this has all been like kind of a learning process for all of us. And I think that it was a uh, a way to figure out and manage how many copies of a book we could sell and like what the interest would be mm-hmm. in all of that. And uh, the response has been overwhelming and very positive. And I think that people are very excited I'm very excited. I'm elated to have this done so I can move on with my life and not have to worry <laughs> no, about it. No, you'll never as you'll much be as tied, I used to. No, no, no. You're about to learn <laughs> that you're tied to this for a long time. I, I hesitate to say forever, but uh, it's going to be your life for quite a bit. No, I know. Uh, you've told me that multiple times for the last <laughs> two and a half years, which I appreciate your honesty with. Um, you know, we did it through Kickstarter because the bar had a relationship with Kickstarter based on on the pandemic fundraising, and it was a way that we could offer fans of the venue um, 
more than just the book, some merchandising, et cetera, et cetera. If people wanted to help out uh, with production costs more than just the causes of the book, they could do that. And it's, it's awesome. And the response has been great. Um, taking this on myself, I had an expectation um, not only from, for my own competency, but of, of those kind of helping on, on the fringe a little bit um, <laughs> went from a very simple idea of potentially like a hundred, 150 page thing to like 350 pages, which grew from, I can do this six months to it's taken <laughs> two and a half years. Uh-huh. It's just turned into a beast that I, I didn't really anticipate with, because I just didn't know. And I think, I think I've done, I can admit that like I've done this entire book in the wrong way. I did everything the wrong way, but the positives of that are I learned how to do it, at least not the way that I did it. Mm. Uh, And that's a really positive thing. You mentioned Kate. um, She has been a guiding light in helping me uh, understand not only things about myself and my own kind of personal uh manic being a control freak um but if, if she was after working with me she's very used to it i assure you i dude man i mean i i think <laughs> you and i are probably very calm compared to some of the egos that she has sure sure with. um and you know but like she like yourself like became a really great advisor and i i cannot express like my gratitude towards her for just being a friend over the years eric would probably the same way um it would be considerably easier to have a team of people to like work on a project as massive as this but at the same time i'm so grateful that not only the pandemic was happening work wasn't really happening i had the time to work on this people were available for me to talk to and interview um it all kind of just all worked out to being like perfect time to do it but it's like i learned how to do this on my own because i did everybody's job where if yeah i had like a publishing company or even was able to like hire a team i could be like oh hey man go do this Right, and hey, you would go never do, go do this. have to learn how to do publicity like, or whatever. I've yeah. done fucking the entire thing myself <laughs> with a little bit of help from the bar, um, getting it out now to the next step. But like, I'm not going to say that it hasn't frustrated me or been extremely stressful. But at the same time, I this entire time of putting this thing together and producing it have been fully conscious that like this is a very important yeah part of learning how to do something that like who gets the opportunity we were talking four hours ago about that fear of a fear of missing out you know this was my fear of missing out because like the reality is somebody's going to make a book about that bar somebody's going to make a documentary about that bar i just happened to work there and happened to spend a 10 at that point when i started the book 10 years shooting and documenting the bar so like why not me you know yeah and even when i i initially met with the owners they've been pursued 
for coffee table books, documentaries. Mm-hmm. People have come at them. Interesting. But I think th- that there was a trust of me of becoming because I'm kind of part of the family or for uh, playing there that when I approached them with my idea of putting together or taking the gallery idea and putting that in 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 print form, um, they were like, Yeah, let's fucking do it. Yeah. Like right time, right place. Like let's celebrate the fact that like we're all still alive and we can all still go to this place and that's super important um you know you you mentioned jeremy from touche saying how important it is that they played there uh when i was doing this last run with seisha a couple months ago billy made a comment every venue we played to the crowd and addressing them of like you don't know how lucky you are that you're here Mm. not because we're here but because you have a place to go to celebrate what's outside of these walls and appreciate the fact that this venue exists because it very, very soon could not exist. Yeah. You very soon could be dead. You know, all the existential crisis going around everybody all the time. We're all here. We all have that room to go to. Now it's in a book. So you should go by. You should. I'm, I'm so glad it was you that did it to somebody uh that i you know i i believe in captured the essence of this place that has meant so much to me and 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 so many people uh and i'm glad it was you and where and so where where can people can people still get a copy where can they do that um i do not know when you're going to blast this out um but the kickstarter campaign is going through saturday Hold on real quick. I don't know what day it is. What day is today? Today's the 16th. It's going 23rd, through next, next Saturday, the 22nd. Okay. Um, so it's available for that, but um, it's going to be limited to a thousand copies. We're a little more than halfway sold out now. Uh, it's still going to be printed at a thousand copies with a couple different variants within that a thousand copies. And those will be available. Um eventually sooner those than are later. gonna go through. so anybody listening to through. this like get a cut co- that's absolutely that not um, <laughs> yeah we are gonna i think i think they're gonna be available through the website mm-hmm. um the through the through the saint Vitus website we are also um partnering with the punk museum in vegas mm-hmm. to they're gonna carry they have like a variant that they're gonna carry there eventually um it's just a matter of supply chain issues and getting stuff in print and when we can get it physically in our hands i think that we will eventually hopefully by the end of the year do some sort of a release event Mm -hmm. at vitus Um, i would i would hope at vitus yeah (laughs) uh i uh, i had my last book uh release party at vitus and it was like the fucking honor of my life so maybe i'll make it out to that that would be so cool but uh it would be very cool if you were there um, so the, the Vitus website or Kickstarter until this the end of this week. Sure. Right? <laughs> okay. Well, Nathaniel Shannon, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for talking. Thank you, Dan. I'll see. Okay. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I can't thank you enough for just being available to me as somebody to call and scream into the void, too. Well, I don't take compliments well. So that's the end of the interview. Done. <laughs>